0: CITR 101.9 FM. This is the Inkstead Show, the radio show where we talk about what, Colin? Comics? There we go. Graphic novels? Whatever is the trendy expression of the day. You know what's funny is actually uh, I was talking to my uh, one of my professors at school um, about... I've lent him Palestine and I lent him uh, Seferi Garage. and he's Red Mouse and he's Red Persepolis. And for one of my papers I'm planning on doing in school is going to be on uh, Chester Brown's uh, Louis Riel um, and a little about libertarianism in it and he uh said oh yeah yeah, libertarian uh comic and he felt all bad saying comic like that's fine i actually (laughs) prefer a comic because it uh feels less flighty. uh this is the ink studs out of ubc citr 101.9 fm it's a sunny day in vancouver i'm loving it are you loving it colin yes our guest today is dave sim he is the man behind 300 issues of cerebus um and he has two new projects coming out. Uh, specifically, uh, for the majority of the discussion, will be Glamorpus, which would be the reason we played Fashion, because Glamorpus is about fashion. Nice tie-in. <laughs> <laughs> I tried my best. Hi, um, Dave.
1: Hi, Colin. How are you doing? Oh. Aren't you going to mention that Colin Upton is the uh, dean of Canadian mini-comics?
2: The they dean? already know that. <laughs> we remind it's them every week. The, it's
1: always <laughs> worth repeating, though, that Colin <laughs> is actually the... Uh, the dean of Canadian mini-comics.
2: They see me around all the time. They're,
0: they're bored by me. So <laughs> <laughs> He's the dean in the school of hard knocks.
1: He sure is.
0: <laughs> um, and also for people uh, more tie-in, because you know we're in Canada, proud Canadians, Dave is a Canadian as well. So he's been, uh, you're a bastion of uh, Canadian cartooning, one might say. Does that feel right? Do you feel a like a bastion,
1: really bad, but that sounded that sounded good what whatever you were getting to there
0: I, um, I said you're a bastion of Canadian cartooning, is that better
1: okay, that's good, yeah, that's
0: I, just, good. I yeah, just
1: everybody can huddle around me when times get bad, <laughs>
0: okay. feel the warmth.
1: That's what a good bastion is all about, as far as i'm that was bastion that you said, yes, okay, yes, like I say it's a bad connection. I just wanted to make sure that was. <laughs> That was how that ended. Fast
0: beyond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll save the uh, negative comments for uh, another day. <laughs>
1: okay. When I'm not here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's how we roll. Um, so, Glamourpuss, your latest project, uh, Secret Project Number Two, I guess, is the uh, the the precursor title you gave it. Um, you've been doing a hundred, I like get hundred hours of online exposure, submitting yourself to the. Uh, Wide yeah, World that, Web? Uh,
1: that ended yesterday, and uh, now, uh, right now I'm in uh, Columbus, Ohio, for the uh, uh, Space Small Press and Alternative Comics Expo, uh, March 1st and 2nd. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, for somebody who doesn't have uh, Internet and uh, doesn't have a television, uh, I am just starting to realize how badly hypnotized <laughs> you get after a hundred hours of of staring at a computer screen for an entire month.
0: Did it surprise you doing this the the online message boards? Was it what you were expecting, or was it something different, a different beast altogether?
1: Um, I didn't really expect anything because I uh, the only other time that I had been on there was. Uh, in March of 2004, when the, the week that uh, Issue 300 of Cerebus shipped, uh, I went on the um, the Cerebus Yahoo discussion group, which is really the the preeminent group of people who are uh, uh, the most devoted uh, uh, Cerebus readers, and I went on uh, live from, uh, from the Kitchener Library for... Uh, I think about two hours. So uh, that was really the only other experience that I had. And it was, uh, it was a little weird then and and it hasn't gotten any less weird since then.
0: The one thing I noticed, I didn't partake in the message board exchange. I don't want to talk too much about message board stuff because really it's not that exciting, but it seemed like it was just the same people in different locations.
1: Yeah, there was, uh, there's, there's a lot of duplication, and there's um, uh, one of the things was that I was doing it uh, live from uh, a comic book store in Kitchener, looking looking for heroes uh, on Ontario Street South, and um, so I was I was sort of confined by their business hours. They they were open till six Monday and Tuesday, and then uh, uh, seven o'clock Wednesday through Friday. And that's really uh, the time when everybody's at work, and is supposed to be working, <laughs> but uh, uh, a few people were uh, stealing a few minutes here and there to to ask pertinent questions, but then they'd, I, I imagine they'd vanish back into their workplace and then come back and check 40 minutes later to see if I got to them or not.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, it's now, an interesting experiment. It, it, it's, do you think it's something to be repeated, or is it just that was enough?
1: We'll see how many glamour puss I sell. <laughs> if, uh, if if sales go through the roof, uh, yeah, I'll probably uh, I'll probably take up residence on on the internet on uh, on a percentage basis. Uh, nothing, nothing I like better than uh,
0: than at a
1: computer screen for a hundred hours. Good for you. Well, wow, it's, it's solid. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's uh, some people's lives. It's mine sometimes, unfortunately. But there's something wrong with me. Um, so Glamour Puss let's just get right into the meat of it what is Glamour Puss um, you know it's you've been it's doing it's
1: basically an excuse for me to uh, draw uh, fashion models in my best Al Williamson style uh, it's one of those things that uh, having um, done a you know the world's first 6,000 page graphic novel um uh, there comes a certain point where uh hey if you haven't got uh any street cred at that point you're never going to have street <laughs> cred anyway so you might as well do the thing that uh, that you enjoy the most and uh basically that's 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 the starting point i want to draw uh lots of photorealism pictures of uh uh, very very pretty women uh, in very nice clothes and um, uh, that really leads over to the uh, the Alex Raymond school Alex Raymond uh, in addition to uh, creating the uh, the more famous flash Gordon also did a detective strip called rip Kirby which was really the first of what I consider the uh, the photorealism uh, comics. Uh, so, basically, what I'm doing is uh, uh, trying to trying to learn as much as I can about uh, uh, the drawing style that uh, that he basically invented. That uh, involves a lot of very thin brushwork. Uh, most of the work that I did on Cerebus uh, was done with uh, with the Hunt 102. Uh, crow quill pen nib some brush but usually just for large areas of solid black or uh, uh, any any line that I couldn't get uh, thick enough out of out of the pen nib so uh, that's really on the technical side uh, the part that uh, that I'm enjoying uh, there is is really trying to understand uh, the thinking behind uh, the very spontaneous brush style that he did, and uh, I'm really not a, a spontaneous artist by nature, so uh, it's, it's one of those, uh, uh, it comes out a whole lot better if I, I don't work quite as hard at it, but I'm such a hard worker by nature that uh, getting out of my, way is, my own way is, is really the biggest problem so far.
0: Well, it seems um, comparative, the art styles between Glamourpuss and uh, Cerebus. I mean, Cerebus was very, I guess, loose, a lot of characterisms where you kind of over-exaggerate uh, people, and then Gamarpus you're kind of working at confining yourself?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, of all the styles that I worked in, and on Cerebus, I really did move across the spectrum. Cerebus himself is... Uh, uh, a cartoon aardvark, and then uh, it's all characters in uh, uh, in the real world, uh, the funny animal in the world of humans, idea that uh, the late Steve Gerber came up with, with Howard the Duck. And um, I would really move across the spectrum from uh, uh, doing a very realistic style to uh, uh, caricature, and then uh different kinds of caricature I did some Al Hirschfeld style caricatures most of the time I was doing uh, uh a modified Mort Drucker style Mort Drucker's the cartoonist who does uh, uh the movie uh parodies in uh, Mad Magazine um, but it really wasn't until um, pretty late in Cerebus uh it's a 16 volume series, and it was in volume 15 that I ended up doing uh, a Woody Allen character named Konigsberg. And actually, uh, there's an extended fantasy sequence in there where uh, Konigsberg is imagining himself in different Fellini and Bergman films. And uh, I decided to just go very literal with it and uh, uh, find. Books on Bergman and Fellini that had uh, stills from their movies and trace it off as exactly as possible, and uh, that uh, that really scratched an itch. That was, uh, look at me, Ma. I'm Al Williamson, <laughs> and uh, that got filed away mentally. As uh, I think, if I ever get back to. Doing this crazy thing for a living again—this um, is this is something that I want to do. I don't know if that's just <laughs> because I didn't get to do enough of it on Cerebus, but uh, I think uh, it's uh, it's really very very deep in my blood, and it's uh, it's largely a a forgotten, largely um, ignored, largely looked down upon. Kind of style, and uh, that's very strange to me because to me, uh, uh, Al- Alex Raymond on Rip Kirby, uh, Stan Drake on Heart of Juliet Jones, um, Neil Adams on Ben Casey, uh, Al Williamson on Secret Agent Corrigan—all of this stuff's going back to the to the fifties and sixties and seventies, and really vanished as. Uh, uh, Something that people even did in comics, and uh, to me, it's uh, it's the best stuff. Uh, Colin, you're you're not a, you're not a fan at all of photorealism. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> How you did you read know him that? like a book? <laughs> oh, I knew that already. <laughs>
2: well, I just don't. I don't think when you do photorealism, I feel that you just don't use comics to its full potential of caricature and exaggeration. I, I don't understand the points. Well, doing it. I,
1: I can I can understand what you're see, what you're saying there, but uh, I have to admit you're wrong. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's definitely a uh, uh, I don't know how unique a preference it is. It definitely uh, fell out of fashion in uh, in the comic book field, but what's been interesting is the the number of guys who have turned out to be uh, closet photorealism fans.
0: Well, like Uh, Neil Adams... Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like, Neil Adams is uh, very influential among a majority of comic artists, not even if they don't realize it.
1: Yes, yes. There's... um, uh, Neil Adams is an interesting case because he came from uh, the newspaper strip end of things. He did... uh, uh, the strip Ben Casey, which was based on, uh, on the television show and, um, was very much in the, in the photorealism tradition. And then he moved over into comic books because that was pretty much the time, uh, when based Ben Casey came to an end and, uh, he did a certain number of other things, but by the late 1960s, the writing was on the wall for, uh, narrative comic strip mm-hmm. so he moved over to uh, dc comics and started and did uh, dead man and the specter and, and batman and uh, in a lot of ways the, the rates were so low at dc uh... he really couldn't afford to take the time with uh, with super realistic drawing and actually taking photographs and and things as he did with uh... with ben casey and with his advertising work and basically developed a whole new way of doing um, very realistic but very exaggerated uh, uh, anatomy and uh, a very exaggerated way of uh, looking at comics that was sort of a a mix of the photorealism style mixed in with Jack Kirby, Uh, Mm -hmm. the thing of having to fill a whole page uh, with... uh, with as few figures as you can, and make it look as as dynamic as you can, because uh, you're really only getting forty bucks a page. So uh, you you, you got to turn out those pages.
0: And one little tidbit of trivia about uh, Neil Adams is he was the youngest guy doing one of those strips, I think, ever <laughs> when he yes. got, when he got as, started. As a
1: matter of fact, when he signed to do uh, Ben Casey, if uh, if he had been uh, three months younger. I think it was his mother would have had to sign the contract for him. <laughs> he was a he was a real real child prodigy. He worked at uh, uh, Johnstone and Cushing, which was uh, uh, an advertising agency that uh, specialized in doing uh, comics for advertising uh, that virtually got eliminated when when television became the preeminent. Uh, Advertising medium, but uh, Neil Adams went up there uh, when he was eighteen or nineteen. He was recommended by Elmer Wexler, and he had been working there for about uh, about a year and a half. He came in uh, to, on his on his birthday, and they had this whole birthday party set up for him, and uh, yeah, they had drinks and and food and everything. And he's going, well, you know, this is this is really great, but uh, but. I really don't uh, uh, don't understand why you guys are doing this. And one of them put his arm around Neil and he said, uh, "Neil, today, as of today, we no longer have to go home and tell our wives that we're getting our asses beaten by a teenager. <laughs> he had just turned <laughs> twenty years old. So
0: uh,
1: he was amazing. Yeah, he Neil, is. He still
0: is. Yeah, we actually Neil was uh, one of the first guys I had on the show. I think within the first like three months." Many a couple of years ago now, and I was very happy to get the chance to talk to him. So I, I
2: was just wondering, with the uh, the photorealism, have you actually used models at all yet, or, or is all this from magazines and already existing photos?
1: Uh, it's all from uh, from magazines, basically. Um, uh, looking at uh, at the photos in uh, in the top fashion magazines, and just trying to find. Uh, the models and the clothes that look the most like uh, an Alex Raymond or Al Williamson drawing, and um, because it's it's pretty labor intensive, uh, trying to well trying to get a likeness, which is something that I'm trying to wean myself away from. it's, it's not necessary to get an exact likeness, it's better to get uh, as, as pretty a drawing as I can. So, uh, you know, there is room to, uh, to change what's there, but I prefer to work the other way. For, first of all, getting, getting it as exact as possible uh, until I know how to do that, and then taking the knowledge that I get from that and then start uh, start improvising or uh, or changing things around. Um, I'm still uh, I'm still using way too much pen for uh, for my satisfaction. Uh, the amazing thing to me about Alex Raymond and uh, and Al Williamson is that almost everything is done with a brush and a very fine brush. And, uh, it's, you've got the one chance to get the line right. And that's, that's the only chance that you've got. It can take, uh...
0: No whiteout allowed. Pardon me? No whiteout allowed.
1: No whiteout allowed. Well, I, I broke that rule pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to use very much of it, but, uh, but sometimes, boy, I, I gotta, I gotta get out, get that whiteout happening. And, uh... Uh, it's just uh, it's just dazzling to me that uh, uh, these guys could work as many hours as they did penciling and getting the the uh, uh, the image right in pencil, and then in order to get it to look right, in order to get it actually into the Raymond School, the inking has to be done very very spontaneously, very very Zen like, very uh, you know Japanese calligraphy. Kind of thing, and uh, as I said at the at the start of the show, I'm not I'm not a real spontaneous kind of guy when it comes to to working on my artwork. But uh, boy, you uh, if, if you get it right, if you can if you can just get everything pulling together, and uh, you know, take a few deep breaths, tell yourself you know how to do this, and then just swirp swip swip, and there. There it is for, you know, win, lose, or draw, good, bad, or indifferent. That's that's how I did this time.
0: The magic of the and, pen.
1: Uh, of course, now I've been promoting the book for three months since the beginning of December, so I, I have to go back and relearn everything that I already learned the first time.
0: Now, one question, talking about the promoting, I mean, you its it's been pretty evident of um, you've really been pushing this, uh, contacting all these stores and getting in touch with people. Um soliciting. the
1: website ww.glamourbuscomic.com. Isn't
0: <laughs> um, that smooth? There we go. Just Hard, a little talk. Hardly it. noticed it. <laughs> um, one thing that you you're noted for is as, as you're known for your points of view as much as for your comics in the comic industry. Um I, I think that's pretty good way of putting it. Um and I don't necessarily agree with a fair amount of points of view, but in your process of doing this, is there any kind of regret of making statements as far as like alienating readership?
1: Uh, not really. No, I think um, you know I'm one of those people that thinks there's not quite as much of a universal consensus everywhere in society on uh, on every point that um I don't think we're anywhere near as a society to uh, being able, able to even play with the idea of such a thing as being politically correct. Um, I mean, the abortion debate alone, that's right down the line. That's 50-50. And uh, if you've got central issues in society that uh, half of the population thinks one way and half of the population thinks another way. Uh, I really don't think that <laughs> it makes very much sense to say, okay, well, we've got that settled. Um, I think, uh, on the contrary, I think the the more that we talk about, uh, you know, different viewpoints and the more that, uh, that we can advance different viewpoints, um, you know that's uh, that's what separates us from iran
0: um i'm just being careful because i don't want to get into the viewpoint stuff to the like ideological discretion or stuff because there's a lot of comics to talk about um so just those that are listening that's why i'm not following up with more maybe um maybe we can have another discussion another time but we're talking about the comics and um uh, there is some important comic work and I guess my question is the other side to your coming up stuff is, I know it's something you're not playing really discussing very much because it was very personal to you. Um, is the, your project Judenhaus, um, working on that? Is glamour post, a kind of way of leveling yourself to take away from, I guess, the emotional impact of working on that kind of project.
1: Uh, Judenhaus was definitely a, um, debilitating experience, but then uh, I really intended it to be that way. Um, Being a uh, non-Jew, I definitely think that uh, uh, non-Jews around the world haven't really accepted the level of personal culpability for... uh, what all non-Jews have been doing to Jews, you know, for for from time immemorial, uh, the Shoah was definitely a culmination. But uh, uh, to me, it was under no circumstances uh, an exceptional uh, event. It was, uh, as I as I say in uh, the beginning part of the book, I think it was pretty much inevitable once you start looking at the. At the history of uh, of the the, the non Jewish world,
0: maybe uh, we should just let people gotten, know. I have what gotten
1: it... the book done. It's a, it's an experiment. Well, you know, not just in uh, in the subject matter, but also in the way that uh, the artwork is done. Of uh, trying to make use of the computer a little more extensively, in that the drawings are scanned in uh but there's also a lot of uh uh panning and uh and zooming in. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to I'm afraid quote a quote a website again. If you go to ww dot com J U D E N H A S S and you look at the first uh first page and Pages, I believe it's three and four or four and five. It's it's an approach shot to um, uh, the railway entrance to Auschwitz Birkenau, and uh, that's taken from one drawing. Uh, because it's been scanned in, you can just say, "Okay, you now I've scanned in uh, this one panoramic drawing." Of that, and now I can enlarge that drawing uh, progressively. I think it's about ten percent, fifteen percent each time, and that creates the illusion that you're moving closer
0: to it. Um, How big was the original for that piece? What's that? How big was the original piece?
1: Uh, it's eleven by seventeen. Eleven oh, okay. by seventeen.
0: But well, you got some pretty good detail in it, then.
1: Yeah, there's uh, uh, there was a lot of challenges trying to pick up all of the all of the pen work which was which was very, very fine. But that whole stage of you know, once I once I had drawn the whole thing and uh, my technical director, Luke Copeland, uh, I sent him photocopied mock ups of the enlargements and reductions and how large the different panels were gonna be and whatnot, which was a lot of work for him to do. So there was really this uh, this Time period where I couldn't really do anything else on Judenhaas because all of this needed to be done. Uh, so that was really where I thought, okay, this was this was a pretty excruciating uh, uh, three years that it took me to do the forty-eight pages. So now I think I'm going to try and have something that's uh, that's just a lot of fun. Was uh,
2: what was it like doing? I guess for want of a better word, background, because for so many years in Cerebus you had Gerhard doing your backgrounds.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, well, that was, uh, that was really one of the experiments that that we never got to was uh, how is it possible, would it have been possible to save time by doing, as an example, a master background and then scanning the background and basically putting it in behind the characters. And I think the fact that it took three years to get Judenhaas done will tell you that, no, this is not particularly a time saver. Uh, (laughs) The whole whole cutting and pasting thing, which I really didn't understand, uh, the way that works on a computer... Uh, is pretty laborious um, work for, for somebody to have to do. Lou did uh, a spectacular job on it and uh, was very, very patient because uh, on Cerebus, obviously, if you're doing a monthly comic book uh, for 300 issues, 26 years, uh, it's as good as you can make it in that month. So this was going to be my one time of saying I'm going to labor over these pictures and uh, I'm not letting go of the pictures until the pictures are exactly the way I want them. And I'm not going to press until all of the computer work looks exactly the way that I wanted it to. And I don't know that I would ever do it again. I don't know that there was really that big a difference. I think I, uh, I draw as good as I draw, and uh, uh, taking a maximum amount of time with it. At a specific point, you're just you're just adding more pen lines in. But uh, it was definitely something that I wanted to do uh, once. And uh, I think Gerhardt's doing uh, having the same sort of experience. He's doing. Uh, uh, a series of prints called World Without Cerebus that are just watercolor <laughs> backgrounds. And um, uh, definitely that was his motivation. I want to do single pieces that I only work on when I'm motivated and uh, that I want to put a, the time in, uh, as much time as it's going to take to get it right.
2: Do you think uh, you and Gerhardt will work on a project together at some time in the future?
1: I would doubt it. I would doubt it. Gerhardt was never a comic book fan. Mm. Um, he was never especially interested in comic books. And as Colin can tell you, there's really nothing more time-consuming than producing a comic book. Uh, I would say the only creative medium that's uh... more time consuming than comics is uh... classic animation but uh... comics uh, comic books is is really a good uh... a good runner-up to that because for one thing most of the time you're doing it all by yourself and unless you really have comic books in your blood uh... from a very early age which Colin you were like that right
2: Oh yeah into the uh, the, the Tintin and the Hergé
1: got bit by the, the bug Asterix Yeah and if it if it if it's your thing if it's your thing then um you know you really don't notice how much time it's it's eating up but with uh with Gerhard it was uh you know this was an interesting thing to do and it was uh you know, definitely a, a more than full-time job for uh, you know his 20s, 30s and part of his 40s. But I, I suspect he's done now. Certainly the, the offer is always on the table uh, if he wants to do a, another comic book. but uh, I've uh, said to him, you know one of the things that you get in the uh, the Alex Raymond School and Al Williamson is uh, these gorgeous shots of cars done in the photorealism style. So I've definitely put the offer on the table that Gerhard's welcome to do as many cars as he's interested (laughs) in doing at, uh, you know, X number of dollars a car.
2: Cars are tough.
1: What's that? Cars are tough. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember uh, Bernie Wrightson. I was talking to him about uh, uh, Swamp Thing number 1, and I forget what the... He had a sports car in there. I think it was... uh, a porsche or something like that and i remember him saying he will he always wondered what happened to those guys in high school that that's all they could draw <laughs> uh, all they did was sit all day and and knock out cars in their uh, in their notebooks and they could do a a three-quarter view of a porsche you know just in their sleep because they they love cars the way we love comics and uh it's it's probably something that's worth looking into you know take a Take out an ad in some high school newspapers or go on uh, uh, My Face or whatever that thing's called. And, uh, you know, say, if, if you're in high school and you draw cars, have we got a job for you. You can, you can do cars in every comic book coming out right now.
0: There we go. A whole uh, generation of Gerhardts. Just waiting.
1: <laughs> now, just the, the same way that uh, that Ben Oda used to used to letter all of the newspaper strips. Uh, most of the cartoonists in New York had given Ben Oda the keys to their apartments, so he could just let himself in and uh, letter their strips at night while they were sleeping. Uh, we could <laughs> just give this guy the keys to all of our places, and he could let himself in and draw sports cars.
0: <laughs> Maybe Colin will stop doing uh, historical comics now. I've just started. <laughs>
1: <laughs> For, further back than sports cars?
2: Yes. Well. Okay. We won't get into that right now because we're talking about you.
1: Okay. It's all about you, It was, it was, you, was a dude. nice try, though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, um, working on uh, Judenhaus um, Did you want the reason? Like when you started it, did you feel like your own personal skills were at a point where you could attempt an ambitious project?
1: Uh, it was certainly a stretch. It was—I um, mean—the danger with uh, doing anything having to do with the with the Shoah uh, is that uh, you don't want to trivialize it, and you don't want to commercialize it, and you certainly don't want to uh, miss having the uh, the proper effect and, uh, you know, having people respond to it the way that you hope that they will respond to it. Um, it was definitely pulling a lot of, a lot of skills together and um, having to look at it from as many angles as possible, having to look at it not only uh, as you need to do with... Uh, with comic books just as a medium you always have to be looking at the pages that you've got done and looking at them through fresh eyes and always anticipating is somebody going to misunderstand what they're looking at here or is somebody going to uh... infer wrongly what it is that uh, that i was trying to imply here and there's such a variety of ways that that different people read different things that uh, that was I would say that was probably one of the biggest parts of the project was just uh, a lot of just sitting and staring at the pages that were done and saying okay what's the next natural page and uh, what's the what's the best approach to that page and does this do the pages that I've got done so far actually uh say what I want them to say. Uh I I ended up putting the the work aside uh for a month at a time, 2 months at a time because it's just I'm sitting here and staring at it and I'm still going around the same the same circle. I'm not I'm not coming up with any answers. And you know again, that was that was really factored in as uh, uh this this is a core element of this project. If I'm if I've been staring at these three pages for two weeks and I'm not getting any answers, then the only answer is to put the pages away uh, and then pull them out fresh a couple of weeks from now and uh, and see if I if I come up with a different answer. Whereas. When you're working on a monthly comic or, or a bi-monthly comic like Glamour Puss is...
0: You just don't have uh, the chance.
1: At some point, you've got to just flip a coin and say, well, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that because I can't... <laughs> time's a-wasting. I can't just sit here and and stare at these pages. i gotta I got to draw some stuff.
0: Have you read about um, what Art Spiegelman went through after he finished Mouse? Uh, yeah, yeah. It just seemed like some linkages because he went through really...
1: Really heavy? Oh no 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 no! That's uh, I'm sure that's uh, just. That's I mean, completely different. That's that's one of the things that I'm I'm trying to get across is uh, I think there's a world of difference between uh, uh, the Jewish experience of the Shoah and the non-Jewish experience of the Shoah. I can I can subject myself to. Um, let me rephrase that Mm -hmm. I can do what I think is is, uh, an appropriate penance but uh, the non-Jewish experience of the Shoah will never be even within quantum leagues of of the Jewish experience and I think that's I think that's important to understand I mean I do uh, I do say even in the work that I think uh, everyone should do something on the Shoah uh, at some point. Um, but there, there's, there's no question, and particularly non-Jews, as, as a form of penance. But, uh, no, I, I, uh, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be, uh, uh, to be a Jew in the world, uh, knowing that the Holocaust took place. Knowing what happened, and uh, that this was, you know, just uh, just a traditional way of uh, of dealing with the Jews. It was really just uh, the only difference was severity. It was always taken as a given that uh, you know the the best behavior was uh, was to treat Jews badly.
0: I'm presuming you've read up on the on the programs of Russia and uh, stuff like related. Documentation of, yeah. I mean, it's
1: uh, it's just absolutely staggering to see how many people in uh, uh, what appears to be good conscience all behaved that way. Uh, it was uh, it was interesting to me reading uh, uh, the uh, collected letters of uh, of Ernest Hemingway when I was doing the research for. Uh, uh, form and void, um, and uh, he, you know, th- it's it's not a heavy-handed uh, Jew hatred, and I, I do see it as Jew hatred, not anti-Semitism, uh, but it is definitely there in his postscripts, and uh, you know, calling himself Hemingstein and and things like that, just thinking that this is, uh, you know, uh, I'm just making a joke. And uh, I do notice that, uh, or I did notice reading his his letters, that drops off to virtually nothing in, uh, you know, (laughs) mid-1945, obviously, (laughs) when the the camps were liberated. And people
0: found out what was going on.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that I am... Trying to reawaken with Judenhaus because it is very graphic. It is, uh, you know, there are a lot of uh, drawings that are done from, uh, you know, the corpses that were just stacked like cordwood at uh, uh, Auschwitz-Birkenau. Um, that we, that's the part to me that we can't forget. The you can't, you can't start laundering. Um, uh, the Holocaust and, uh, you know, cleaning it up. They've already uh, cleaned up Auschwitz so that, you know, it's very it's a pristine-looking place. It's a
0: tourist uh, visitation and, area. Um,
1: you know, I'm not sure that that was a particularly good idea. And, uh, you know, a lot of the Holocaust museums are, are falling into line with that as well. You know, we've got families coming in, and we don't want to... Uh, disturb small children and it's like well I think you have to disturb small children I, I I think Colin you you grew up pretty much the same time period that I did and you saw you know in history class the the films of the of the bulldozers um, you know just plowing all of these corpses into the giant mass graves
2: my uh, high school history teacher mr. Krieger brought in I think it was an uncle uh who had escaped from Germany just before the war. Wow. Just before the camps. So and he spoke to our class and, and told us about what it was like in in Nazi Germany before the war. So yeah, we we saw that stuff.
1: Yeah. I, I don't think we do ourselves a service as a as a society by trying to clean that up or trying to uh, keep that away because people have uh, have sensitivities. I'm, I'm sort of hoping that uh, uh, Judenhaas might uh, find a place in classrooms. You know, pick, pick your grade level. I, I realize that uh, uh, people don't share my viewpoint uh, to, a- to any great extent. Uh, so, you know, pick it, grade eight, grade nine, grade 10, grade 11, whichever one you're going to do and say, okay, we don't want to traumatize, traumatize them by showing them the films or showing them the, the actual photographs, but these are drawings done from the photographs. You know, maybe that's one of those, it's, it's enough of a step removed that, uh, you know, I'm hoping a certain number of people will, uh we Will see the logic in. You have to really look at what was done, not just uh, not just allude to it.
0: Now, if people want to check out the book, they can go to the website j u d e n a s s. Did I get it right? dot com.
1: J u d e n h a s s.
0: There yeah. we go. Um, now, and also stores will have it available for people to check out too, won't they?
1: yes there will be a uh, uh... an advanced preview edition that's, uh... going to be going to all of the comic book stores uh, in north america they should be getting that around march twelfth uh... as part of diamond dateline and uh... you should be able to go into pretty much any comic book store about mid-march and uh... just ask to see the uh... The preview edition of of Judenhaus. and Haas, uh, and uh, as I did with uh, with Glamour Puts, I like to and we I have, like to leave it up to the individual to look at it themselves. And uh, you know, again, win, lose, or draw, uh, win, place, or show, uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll accept the the decision of anybody whether whether they want to buy this or whether they
0: don't. And we actually borrowed RX Comics edition today for bringing into the discussion. So I can look at the Glamour Puss, and we only have about, I'd say, seven or eight minutes left, so we'll ask a couple more questions about Glamour Puss. Okay. Um, since that's the next thing coming out, um, the book reads like a dissertation on L. Williamson and, and Alex Raymond. What can we expect in the comic? Is it going to be more discussion of the artwork, or will it be more character-driven?
1: Uh... At More least recipes? So far, I'm about uh, two thirds of the way through uh, issue number two. At least what I'm trying to do right now is to have uh, sort of a 50 50 balance between uh, the fashion magazine parody, um, you know, that, that wonderful, wacky fashion magazine voice that. Uh, to me, is just has just been begging for a parody. Um, I want to do about half the book that way, uh, but I don't think that's something that that would sustain uh, a bi-monthly comic book for very long. So that's why uh, I'm sort of doing that, and then you know explaining why it is that that I'm doing this, uh, what it is that uh, appeals to me about. Uh, the Alex Raymond style, and what I see as uh, the sort of ongoing artistic debate that started with Alex Raymond, and uh, Stan Drake came along doing Heart of Juliet Jones and was sort of a uh, an Alex Raymond heretic. He, he did several <laughs> things that Alex Raymond wouldn't have approved of, uh, and then Neil Adams sort of came along and did to Stan Drake what Stan Drake did to Alex Raymond. And throughout that, Al Williamson was just faithfully following along behind <laughs> Alex Raymond. I'm going to turn myself into the into the best Alex Raymond that I can. And
0: um, one similarity between the two books, between Glamour Puss and uh, Udenhaus, is how much you wear your influences on your sleeve. Because in Judenhaus, in the preview, you discuss uh, some pretty prominent, important. Uh, Jewish American cartoonist Jack Kirby, Will Eisner, uh, you know, list goes Stanley, on.
1: Joe Simon, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Um, how important for you is it to kind of embrace those and promote your roots?
1: Oh, uh, critically important to me, uh, and I—it's I, one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm hoping again, you know, with the with an eye to the schools is it's often very difficult to explain to uh, um, children you know, what, uh, exactly how significant uh, the Holocaust is. And I'm hoping, you know, it, in a way it's kind of trivializing it, but just pointing out that virtually all of the, you know, we stand on the shoulders of giants, these people who founded the comic book industry back in the 1930s, were virtually all Jews. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of the reason that they were in the comic industry is because they were pretty much blackballed everywhere else. You couldn't, uh, you couldn't get work as an illustrator if you were Jewish. So uh, they needed something that was just uh, so badly thought of <laughs> that, uh, geez, even Jews are allowed to do this.
0: And some of them love comics, too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, and uh, definitely I, I always try and acknowledge, uh, you know, the guys that came before and uh, just how important they, they are to me. Um, the same as, uh, you know, Colin mentioning uh, Tintin and, uh, and Asterix, and, uh, you know, we, we just we don't want to forget that uh, none of us sprang full-blown from the head of Zeus.
2: Well, before we were cartoonists, we were fans.
1: Yeah, yes. Uh, Chester Brown, perfect example with uh, with his almost slavish devotion to Harold Gray, <laughs> who did uh, Little Orphan Annie, and uh, you know that was one of those things. It helps uh, being a friend of, of Chester Brown. So I go, well, he can do it for Harold Gray. Why can't I do it for Al Williams? <laughs> you know, we're we're all. Uh, 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 following along behind somebody, uh, uh, Al Williamson was following along behind Alex Raymond, and turns out Alex Raymond was following along behind you know X number of illustrators.
0: Mm-hmm. It's an interesting to look at the development in art because it's kind of interesting looking, and there are some modern guys who are really pushing forward too, like someone like Dave Mazzeccelli, who his own style, you know, utilizes all these different elements, but is totally pushing this whole new way of doing comics as well.
1: Yeah, well, it's like Robert Crumb said, it's only lines on paper, folks. <laughs> and uh, But there's so many different ways of doing those lines. And, uh, you know, it's very interesting just looking at all of the traditions. Uh, I'm in, as I said, Columbus, Ohio right now, and I was, uh, it was kind of nice to pick up uh, the first issue of Jeff Smith's Rassel, at uh, the Laughing Ogre here in town, and uh, just looking at all the all the brushwork on there, mm-hmm. uh, the people at uh, the Cartoon Arts Studies program at OSU uh, actually gave Jeff some of uh, Milt Kniff's old paint brushes.
0: Oh wow!
2: Um,
1: and uh, <laughs> yeah, that's one of those things that'll that'll bring you to the drawing board with a spirit of reverence.
2: Good <laughs> lord. That's fantastic. You make sure you
1: wash those at the <laughs> yes. end of the day. <laughs> Un- unlike the rest of us, who just let the ink build up on there until they're no good.
2: <laughs> what are they, Series Seven? What's that? Are they Series Seven?
1: I think so. Wow.
2: I, think so. I-, I heard Will Eisner said he he wants to use the same Series Seven brush for decades.
1: Yeah, uh, Will actually uh, wanted to get his whole studio using Japanese brushes. <laughs> Really? Because they were so cheap. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you, could, you could get them for like uh, 15 cents instead of uh, two bucks or whatever the brushes were. But it turned out he he and Lou Fine were the only two guys that had a, a delicate enough touch that they knew how to use these. And everybody else went, Will, I can't use this. This is like inking with a piece of spaghetti.
2: What uh, What do you, What you? brush are you inking with now?
1: Uh, I'm using a real skinny brush, just uh, a kind of... uh Zero? size yeah not not zero um it's probably about a two or something uh-huh. and um it's it's one of those i think i found uh, the the thoroughbred dog in the uh, in the pack which is always the problem i went back to the same art store in toronto uh, the chester and i go to when i'm in toronto and uh hey, i got to pick up like three more of those. And, and I picked up a couple more, but I'm still using the same one, and I've got this awful feeling that <laughs> when I use the other two, it's going to be, no, no, that was just one of those uh, A double plus brushes. That the you,
0: magic brush.
1: The magic brush you only find find once in your life.
0: Mm. Like Barry
1: Windsor Smith and his magic pencil that he wanted to have framed. <laughs> that uh, He was in this absolute mental block, couldn't draw anything, and then just had this uh, weird pencil, wasn't even like an art pencil of any kind, and, you know, knocked out four beautiful pictures in two days or something, and is convinced it must have been the pencil that did it.
0: Of course. I want to thank you, Dave. We have, oh, thank it's, you, it's, it's, uh It's the end of our hour, and I have the next show staring at me. Um... Thank you so much for taking the time with us, and I uh, look forward to Udenhaus uh, and uh, Glamorpus. And uh, for those in Columbus, I guess they can see the art from Udenhaus uh, at Space.
1: Yep, they can uh, check out the information on, uh, on the web at uh, Back Porch Comics, or they could just Google Space.
0: And. Mm. Uh, they might thanks, have problems googling space. Uh, thanks for
1: having Colin as part of this. Oh, uh,
0: Colin's the a, uh, the,
1: the uh, dean of Canadian <laughs> mini comics.
0: You, you know, but Chester was doing minis before him though.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, but uh, <laughs> are you he sure didn't of do that? 850,000 of them.
0: Yeah. No. Chester
1: stopped after I think 7 or 8.
0: Yeah. I, I think I just really pissed off Colin so. <sighs> no, Colin is a regular uh, host of the Ink Studs. Yeah. And he's a He's an institution here. Nice talking and, to you, and Dave. you're
1: darned lucky to have him.
0: <laughs> he reminds me every day.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. You Bye-bye. too. Thanks. Bye bye.
0: Um, cartoonist Dave Sim uh, talking about his books. Um, as, as I said before, I don't necessarily share a lot of the same viewpoints as Dave Sim, but he did do a lot of good comics, and um, I think uh, it's important for us to discuss them. And uh, yeah, enjoy. Uh, Up next is Crimes and Treasons And uh, Yeah Oh oh, next week I should mention what's on for next month Uh, We do our uh, Women in Comics month So uh, every March we Interview nothing but women so next week will be um, Francois Moulet uh, Co-editor Of Raw Magazine As well as uh, her online Toon Books Comics for Kids And uh, Phoebe Gleckner We'll be on next month, Diana Schutz, um, Megan Kelso, as well as a whole slew of exclusive online interviews, of which I will post the first one on Saturday. Um, surprise, surprise, who will it be? Thanks, Dave, for joining us. Uh, up next, Crimes and Treasons, and uh, yeah, bye. for action. She's a glamour girl, she stands so still, wears a feathered bra, her hair's so high. It starts to sway when she brushes her teeth five times a day. Burlesque attitude, nighttime frills, she's a glamour girl and her look just kills. Beware of her kiss, she'll suck you in five times a day.